Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Walk Pod. Good to have you all along with us. I'm Ollie Kay, and I'm joined by my co-host Ian. How are you getting on today, Ian? Really good, mate. Really good. You? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And with us, as always, is producer Matt. How are you getting on today, Matt? Yeah, I'm doing uh, really well, thanks, Ollie. I've practiced. The uh, route we're taking up to Everton this weekend. Got it all finalised, so looking forward to the weekend. You're you're getting taken up there by Phil, am I right? I am indeed, yeah. The uh, walk writer Phil. He's going to be driving myself and one of the other friends we have from Discord up on this Saturday. Very nice. Well, Phil's actually our guest on Hatteraloa, so we'll see how he does with great interest. But Let's jump straight in and have a look back at the Wolves. I guess we'll take a look at the Exeter game too, as well as all the other news around Kenilworth Road this past week in our news segments. I heard it through Rowan's Grapevine. So the Wolves game, it's been discussed a lot. And we discussed it in the post-match space. But I still feel like we should have won that game. So I've written out the numbers here, and I'm going to go through them. And then we're going to talk about it a bit more. The numbers from the Wolves game. We had 20 shots to their three. Only four of our shots were on target, whereas they got three out of three on target. Expected goals for us. 2.17 and that included 0.78 from Carlton's penalty. That is the first game where we have outpassed another team with 430 passes to their 359. We bossed that. We boasted a pass completion rate of 77% compared to Wolves 73% with all their well-revered technical players and the press looked good. Defensively, we were solid but we categorically looked better and more comfortable against 11 men rather than when they went down to 10 men. What was your take home from that, Ian? I agree. We definitely looked better when they had 11. We're just missing the final product, aren't we? Um, and the thing is, I keep saying it each week, I, I, I don't think it's a, it's a quality thing. It's not a skill thing. I think they just need to loosen up. Um, 
we just need to take our chances when we when we create them uh, and be able to create them when we're in the box but um it was a very good performance again another stride forward in premier league football for us yes it was wolves but that aside it was a very good astute performance wolves didn't know what hit them for the first 15 20 minutes it was a really good performance um i wish we'd responded better in the second half but you know what it's like when when a scene goes down to 10 men and probably don't think they deserve to be they can have a little bit of a spirit about them and a bit of fight back and I think that's what happened but we just we deserve more from the game I think overall there's a very good twitter account called the other 14 and they put together a graphic showing team touches in the opposition penalty area per game and that's uh the first six game weeks so Luton actually are doing very well with the other 14 teams. Like this is minus the big six. Whereas Luton Town have had 122 touches in the opposition penalty area. Bear in mind, we played a game less. So on average, per game, that's 24.40 touches in the opposition penalty area. And that's just below Bournemouth. That's above Crystal Palace, Wolves, Above Everton, above Burnley, above West Ham, above Nottingham Forest, Sheffield United and Fulham. You say we got to loosen up, but at some point, someone, something's got to give. Someone's got to just put the ball in the net from open play, not in the 95th minute, and essentially all hell's going to break loose. Because the numbers, the underlying numbers of how we performed so far this season, we've been getting better and better. And the underlying numbers suggest, other than how many goals we scored, we will be absolutely fine this season. That's my take home from it anyway. Yeah, it's they're, they're certainly healthy. Um, we just need to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, it's the, it's the number one thing to do in a football match, right? And we aren't doing it at the moment. Um, the only thing I can put my finger on um, is that we seem like it's, it seems a very nervous and uphill task to be able to do so. That's the impression you get. But Calton Morris was inches away from scoring. Um, Alfie Dowerty, you know, not far off the other week as well. It's just one of those things, isn't it? I mean, what what do you think the issue is? Why aren't we able to score at the moment? I think everyone's just too nervous. You, you, you've hit the nail on the head with everyone needs to loosen up. I feel everyone's trying too hard. Everyone's getting in their own heads. I don't know, really. Um, Perhaps it's the clinical aspects in the sense that we had 20 shots, but only four on target. Um, Perhaps everyone's just snatching at those chances. The weight of expectation on their shoulders. They're just, you know, the ball comes. It was, for example, that Carlton Morris chance against Fulham. He had time, but all he had in his mind was, I must score. I must score. I'm going to hit this first time. And he missed when he actually had the time to do it. Whereas in in contrast to that, you look at that chance he had against Wolves from way outside the box where he did the Cruyff turn and bends it in from about 30 yards and it cans off the post. We need It's a fine line between being instinctive, but also taking the time, taking the extra touch, finding your corner. But I guess we'll see what happens at Everton. Like, hopefully, we carry on from where we left off against Wolves rather than where we left off against Exeter. But we're going to talk about Exeter a bit later. The game timeline the biggest chance for me was Alfie Doughty letting fly from the edge of the box. Jose Sarr was nowhere near it. The shot got blocked by Carlton Morris. That, for me, was unfortunate. It was an early red card, a very early red card, which I felt disrupted the game. Jean Rickner Bellegarde got sent off in the 39th minute. A leg lock with Tom Lockyer, and that sort of triggered Bellegarde to stamp on Tom Lockyer. I know we discussed it during the space, but let's have a quick chat about that. Do you think Tom bought that? Will he get pulled up on that by VAR in future? I was just about to say, but I can't remember what I said on the on the on the post match space. But having watched it back a few times, 
if it was the other way around, I'd think it was soft. He definitely bought it a little bit. Um, clearly, it, there wasn't enough force in there. Mind you, saying that any force can can get you in the balls, it hurts, doesn't it? But um, but he did the right thing, you know. At the end of the day, we're not a team that dives at every opportunity or goes down at every opportunity. But if someone does that, it's a gift horse in the mouth, isn't it? You just you just, you take it. So um, he was stupid enough to kick him uh, and kick out even though Tom had his, his leg essentially wrapped around both of his. so um, But he allowed him to do it, and, you know, he, he did the right thing, I think. Was it sending off? Soft, isn't it? You know, it's not what we're used to, but it's the Premier League now, so it's a red card, isn't it? Yeah, I would have been fuming had that been given against us. But at the same time, I do get worried that referees will sort of look at what Tom Lockyer does and will get him a sort of reputation not not as a diver but as an agitator and you know premier league refs are very precious so you don't want to piss them off uh, pedro neto's goal it was the definition of against the runner play came from a loose ball from alfie doughty a pass marv goes to chase it referee perhaps gets in his way for for me, I feel we should have dealt with that, you know, in other parts. Through ball to Neto, he does well to hold on to the ball against Tom Lockyer. He teases Reese Burke with the ball and then he smashes it into the roof of the net. He proceeds to do 10 celebrations because he's an absolute twat. But the question is, should Tom have done better there against Neto? I think, yeah, I mean, it was harsh really because Tom had such a good game. And yeah, he should have done better in that instance. He should have just put it out, just like Kabare should have done last night. In the build-up to that, like you say, you know, Nakamba was kind of blocked off by the ref and could have got to that ball and certainly wouldn't have ended up in the same situation. It is unfortunate and it happens. I don't know what the rules are around that, whether it could have been brought back or it wasn't as obvious. I don't know. But yeah, I just think Tom just kind of hesitated and you can't hesitate around Neto. He's going to take the opportunity. And he did really well. He still had a lot to do. Um, I feel like um, Tom didn't think he had another little bit more pace in him to, to, to then go again after they'd both chased the ball, but he did. And it was a well-taken goal. It's one of them situations. He had such a good game and a mistake was punished. I mean, it's going to happen in this league. Every time we make a mistake, we just got to eradicate them. Um, but I don't think that defined his performance. He had another solid game. Um, and he was one of the ones that helped with those pa- passing stats. You know, pretty much every pass he made was passed to completion, basically. Um, and he had a very good game in that regard. Yeah, Tom Lockyer was absolutely sensational. Described online as a Beckenbauer performance. Decent pass stats from Tom Lockyer, hitting uh, 80% past completion he was very good and those long diagonals 17 of those that he uh, sent over he completed 9 out of 17 of those it's very good um, but throughout the game we, we continued to pile on the pressure and Kabore wins a penalty after his cross to flex up on Zhao Gomez's shin onto his hand penalty I would have been fuming had that been given against us but I've seen lots of dubious penalties being given against us so I guess I'm quite desensitized to it Morris dispatches the penalty calmly and looking at some of the players that have absolutely shone in there who was your pick of players there Ian yeah so I think Ogbene Burke in particular had another very good game surprised to see him on the bench last night um both had good games um, Lukonga had a good game until he went off and Lockyer um, all them four for me so I pulled up some stats here because um, Ogbene impressed me so he played 90 minutes pass completion of 92% which is nuts he created four chances completed two out of three successful dribbles though it felt like a lot more it felt like he had um the Wolves backline on toast throughout the entire game. He also mucked in defensively with four recoveries. Alfie Doughty was a standout as well. Played 72 minutes. 
past completion of 78%, created five chances. And he had three shots, all blocked. And of course, he was mucking in defensively as well. Seven recoveries, two interceptions. Uh, conversely to your thoughts about Reese Burke, Amari Bell impressed me. And he's one of those players, every time we say he needs a rest, he just comes back with an absolute boss man performance. Three out of three dribbles completed, nine recoveries of the ball, two interceptions, won all his aerial battles. And then the last one I've written up here, Marvellous Nakamba. He was everywhere on the pitch. 82% pass completion rate. Some fantastic long passing on display too. Um, the one that he sent to Kabore before Kabore wins the penalty was absolutely insane. The bend, the swaz on that ball was absolutely phenomenal. And 11 recoveries and he won four out of his six tackles. He's just, he's getting better every single game. What a signing to, to bring in Marvellous permanently. Yeah, I'll agree. It was his best game for for quite a while, probably since last season, actually. Um, and Bell, again, I probably agree with you there. Uh, the thing I, I love about Bell is his, is his dribbling runs when he runs for, pushes forward. Um, he seems to just find space. He, he'll take two strides and then he's he's past two or three players um, through the middle of the park. And I think that really helped us um, on Saturday. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Uh, another very good performance from him. He just seems to be getting better and better, doesn't he? It, it's crazy that we got him on a free from Blackburn and he's become this player. Um, and, and again, yeah, I agree. Nakamba, uh, superb. One question for you, Ollie, as well. Do you, has, has Ogbené surprised you um, in his performances? Or did you, I know you probably go back to your earlier tweet, Ogbené, for, for anyone, but has he surprised you of actually how he's come to fruition and, and, and he's putting in these performances in the Premier League? Now, from that performance against Wolves, he completely surpassed my expectations. I thought he'd be a slow burner in the Premier League, but he came in full-blooded, ready to play. And I feel he could be another free signing along. I actually wrote an article about him in, in BBC that, that you can all check out about Chidozi Ogbené and, and the best things in life are sometimes free because I feel he could be one of the top free transfers we made alongside Jordan Clark, Amari Bell. Yeah. Do you know what? As well, I think he's he's one that we can pop into the asset category. He has that feeling about him that he could potentially go for a fair bit of money in a few years. We don't have loads in that category because you know of the unsexy Luton Town tag that they have attached to them. But um, I think Ogbené will certainly be one. Yeah, I said exactly that in the uh, in the post-match space and Luton and I was laughing it off. I said, like, he is a good season. He could be going for 20, 30, 40 million at the end of the season just because of the inflation in the Premier League. Um, but moving on to some of the feedback, some inside feedback from the squad. Leading up to the, the Wolves game, morale was low in the camp. But after the game the mood around the squad lifted and the crowd really did make a difference to the club and the players. And generally the players want to make the fans proud. They play for the badge. It's a good lad. It's a good group of lads that we have in at the moment. And we, we got to keep backing them. But just before we move on to other news, is that going to be another game where we regret not taking three points? I don't think we'll regret it over the season. I have this funny feeling that we're going to stay up. I know people think I've got my orange tinted glasses on. So I suppose the answer is no. Um, we probably regret not taking the points because we would like to have won it. But especially with the performance we put in, just one of those. And just reiterating from what, what you said there about sticking behind the players, if, if any supporters out there are, are starting to find it hard supporting Luton because of the results and this, that and the other. Just look at how far we've come. Um, by the end of this season, this team will make us proud. We're proud to be Luton Town supporters and I think we'll we'll be in a good place come the end of the season. We've just got to dig our heels in. We haven't been in this situation where we've been at games 
and been in the relegation zone for quite a while now. Remind me if I'm wrong, probably the season we went down to non-league, actually being at games where we've been in the relegation zone. Well, so we were still we were still winning games that season we went down into the non-league. We would have well, been comfortably mid-table had ex- it not been for the 30 points. True, yeah. But the atmosphere was still the same because we knew we were teetering on the edge and the games we did lose made it worse. But um, especially that Bradford one with uh, Trevor Kell, bastard. Anyway, but yeah, the point is we're not used to it. We have had a lot of things go our way over the last few years. So it's our turn now to dig in and, and, and make a difference, which we have been doing. But you can sense there's a little feeling there that people are starting to get it's frustrated the right word or just a little bit, you know, finding it hard at the moment. We just need to keep backing them. Um, we'll come through it. And we can see we're getting stronger and stronger. So it will be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, I appreciate your optimism. But let's move on to some other news. Albert Sambi Lakonga is injured. He announced on his Instagram and then the club confirmed it. He stated I thought it was my time to enjoy playing this beautiful game called football and work hard, helping my teammates reach our goal as a team. Unfortunately, an injury came to delay everything. I'll be focusing on my recovery and support the team during that time. See you in a couple of months. So it's a, it's a hamstring injury. He was in for a scan and realistically it could be slightly longer than a couple of months. I've been told he could be back for the Christmas schedule which I guess wouldn't be a bad thing because the first half of the season is so congested with international breaks. That's 18 games before Christmas, 20 after Christmas. Hopefully he's working to come back sooner. But Ian, mate, that is a huge blow for us. Yeah, it is a big blow. A bit of a shock when when we saw it, obviously. It's difficult to say how we we replace him now, um, really, uh, and what system we're going to play. He looked like he was he was going to be a real asset to us. Um, he brought some real energy on the pitch, and and I mentioned it before off it as well. He seemed really enthusiastic to want to play football for Luton Town Football Club. Um, so from that aspect, it's obviously disappointing as well because they're the type of attitudes we want and need. Hopefully, he's back sooner rather than later. Um, but again, you know, whoever steps in, I'm I'm, I'm sure will be decent. Pelly stepped in again on Saturday and, and looked really good. Um so maybe it's his time to shine as well. So just have to see how it how it pans out. What system do you think we'll we'll go with? Ooh, well Lakonga was the perfect double pivot foil for Nakamba. The instant, the immediate, I would say Pelly comes in, plays that double pivot role where he allows Marv to get forwards, he covers and then Marv covers when Pelly goes forwards. I feel Pelly's not as good on the ball as Lakonga is, so he might lose it. Potentially, we can try and work Barkley in there, but that will leave a lot on Barkley to, to muck in defensively, although he can do a bit of that. We saw that against West Ham, that he doesn't mind getting back and and, and mucking in defensively, although fans would say, oh, it doesn't look like he's he's trying hard enough just because he, he doesn't look like he's full-on sprinting, even though he does get back. He just reads the, the game well because he's got so much experience. I think moving forward, because the three up top has worked really well, I have a feeling it could be Marvin Barkley. But I reckon Pelly will be rotated in. Berry might get a little shot at it as well. But it's going to be on a game-by-game basis. Uh- I mean, it's going to be around four to six weeks before Barkley's back anyway, isn't it? Oh, it should um, be four weeks. To be fair. should be four weeks. He four should weeks be back. In, he could be back for Burnley. Well, that's not too bad. And again, he was starting to get fit, and hopefully he'll he'll come back fitter. What about Chong? Do you think he he's starting place days are numbered, or do you think he's given us enough yet? With the change of formation, who knows? I reckon he's probably Jacob Brown's understudy now. I don't see him in a midfield two. I don't think he offers enough defensively. Yes, he offers a lot progressing forward with the ball, but he's not going to be able to chase back uh, in lieu of Marvellous Nakamba, you know, pressing forward. And it sort of limits Marv in terms of... Because 
Marv is good going forward as he is going back. So you kind of want the the perfect foil for him. You don't want someone that's just going to be getting in his way, demanding the ball off him to to move forward because having that second dimension in the midfield really does help. It it, it confuses the opponent. It keeps it fresh in the middle. I'd much rather see Chong out on the right uh, sort of rotating with Jacob Brown, for, for me, anyway. I am worried, though, because Rob Edwards mentioned, and I have also heard that Tom Lockyer had a scan. I haven't received any information about that just yet. Hopefully, he will be fit. But worst case scenario, Mads Anderson could step in. Thoughts on that? Well, I mean, he's not a like-for-like replacement, is he? As much as you'd want him to be. He's uh, he's had some good performances, obviously, already this season, but he's had some equally average performances too. So he, does he have that kind of metal and steel that Lockyer has as well? Probably not. It's a difficult one. Um, Mengi had a good performance last night. I know we're going to go on to the Exeter game, but he, he had a pretty good performance as well. So there's options there, but I'm just hoping and praying that Lockyer isn't injured because he's pivotal to the, the way we play. Oh, yes. Mengi played last night. There was a Carabao Cup game against Exeter. And of course, we made 10 changes and we conceded in the 83rd minute to an avoidable goal from Dimitri Mitchell. Felt bad for Kabore there. Bright spots, though. Fair play to the fans that went down to Devon for the match. What a long journey for such an abject performance. Joe Johnson got a start. He's 17. And it's important that our academy products get some game time. I'm not fussed about going out, though. The prize money on offer in the Carabao is an absolute pittance, with the winner only netting £100,000. That's £50,000 in accumulated prize funds for making it to the final, and then another fifty k for winning. I'm happy we're out of it because now we genuinely have bigger fish to fry. We can look forward to the FA Cup once we have more of a foothold in the league. But again, though, it's another game where we failed to hit the target. Oh, when the town dropped a statistic earlier today in all competitions this season, 87 shots, 20 on target, six goals, two of those being penalties. So based off those statistics and the Carabao, just give me a very brief overview of what your thoughts were about the Carabao Cup exit to Exeter, please, Ian. Disappointing. I didn't watch the match because I wasn't there, and obviously there was no, no stream anywhere. Um, but from what I could tell, it was just another classic Carabao Cup performance. Um, I don't think you need to examine the performance too much. It is what it is. We got over it last year. Let's move on. Classic Carabao Cup performance. Luton Town, who always exit at the hands of lower league opposition. That that's just what we do. We are specialists in failure in the Carabao Cup. But that was all the news from around Kenilworth Road this week. Now it's time for Discord and Telegram questions. Okay, we've got some nice Telegram questions and Discord questions that have come in this week. So I'll uh, kick us off with this one first. AQ on Discord. They said, do we pick up points in the next five games? Everton, Burnley, Spurs, Forest and Villa. Ian? Yeah, absolutely. Seven, I think. Okay, and Ollie? Yeah, we've got to be optimistic about it. I reckon seven to... 10 points being super duper optimistic there <laughs> i thought i was over egging it but <laughs> seven to ten seven um yeah i think seven's achievable for them run the games uh, especially the way we've been going um i think we're on the money there okay the next question came in uh from blank on telegram uh they said with an influx of everton tickets available this morning have we been infiltrated by fair weather fans or do you think that any Luton support is good? Ollie? Look, uh, I think anyone that knows me knows my opinion on this. I was fuming at Wembley where I was trying to get songs going up in 503. 
I was I was screaming them out and everyone was just looking at me like I was an escape mental patient. I'm not a fan of the plastics, but I guess if they're going to put their money into the club, that's all right. They can do that. I'm not going to Everton. So if another person who doesn't have a season ticket wants to go to Everton in my place, let them have it. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind the Fairweather fans. Maybe they'll stick around. It is fairly well known on the Discord that you are a bit of a gatekeeper to Luton Town fandom. Ian, over to you. Yeah, I don't think we should gatekeep. Um, I think that unless you are part of the supporters club, then you shouldn't really be able to voice your opinion, um, no matter who, what, how long you've been a Luton Town supporter. But I think we should accept everybody, you know. Obviously, you say the fair weather ones, Ollie. Um, I suppose they're the ones that kind of latch on but also support Liverpool. You're always going to get them kind of ones. But I'm all for, you know, children that are in school in Luton and around Luton now now taking up supporting Luton because they're in the Premier League and that'll happen for generations. I think that a lot of Luton Town supporters that are here today are children of supporters that came in in the 80s in similar fashion. So, you know, I'm all for that, you know. We're all going to die out one day, so we need new blood. Um, and, you know, we're all doing our best to procreate and pass that on. But um, we've got to have some help from elsewhere. And, you know, we're going to have a massive stadium to fill soon. So uh, more the merrier. On the on the point that you said, uh, people that support Luton and Liverpool, isn't John Piper famously a Luton and Liverpool fan? Uh, well, that, they're rumours, I believe. I don't know how... No, he admitted uh... it in a BBC interview. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, that's silly of him, isn't it? But, I know. Um, I'm not sure, but he's harmless. Uh, do you know what? I don't like the stick that he gets, to be honest. I know a lot of... Some of the stuff he does is a little bit cringe, and sorry for saying that, John, but that's how people would perceive it to be. But, you know, he's done a lot for the football club, and he's always there, up and down the country for the most part. Um I don't think he warrants some of the stick that he gets. Um, I know it's mm. all in good fun, but it's a bit harsh. Okay, the next question is uh, actually from me. Um, so I was on the bus the other day on the way into town uh, for the Wolverhampton game, and I heard from my aunt, who was talking to some people that work at the club, that following the promotion to the Prem, some of the players now need an hour before the game where people are told not to look at them. Do you think this is true for all of our players? Is there an ego creeping into the club with our newfound status? Ollie? Well, they like the sun. Like, don't look directly at them because it'll, it'll hurt your eyes. I, I don't get that. I don't know if that's the case. I, maybe it's something that Gary Sweet brought in, like erecting that massive fence above the bridge so no one can look over at the players arriving. Gary said none of this Billy Big Bollock stuff. So I don't see that happening, to be honest. And Ian? Yeah, I don't see any validity behind that statement. Is Gary Sweet worried that Reese Burt's going to get injured just by somebody looking at him? Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> potentially, potentially. Next question is from Tom from Telegram. They said, as far away as it is, do we think the recruitment team have begun looking into transfers in the upcoming January window? And is there any change to the focus for the position that we'll be focusing on compared to the recent summer window? Ian? Yeah, but well, I think we, we work two or three transfer windows ahead, right? So, But there will always be that room for ad hoc signings based on what's happened um, in the first half of the season, obviously. Um, there'll need to be a little bit of that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we would have had our targets and I have our targets for the next couple of windows or people were interested in and have been interested in for a long time. Um, you see that with some of the players that we signed, you know, there's been interest from us for quite a while or we've known of them or they've been on the radar. So there will be a little bit of that. You know, we don't just get a list at the beginning of a transfer window, um, just from a bit of research, you know, it's planned well in advance. Okay, and Ollie? Yeah, I don't think we're going to be doing any big signings in January. We're not going to do like what Brighton did, where they signed Jürgen Lacardia for £17 million just to try and stay in the Premier League. 
uh, th- their first season in there. We're, we're not doing any of that. We're not dropping like big, big sums. If there is a deal to be had in the January window, like we normally do go after it, like the Elijah Adebayo transfer, uh, there was a deal to be done. We went and did it. But generally, yeah, we're, we're working like two, three windows ahead. Um, obviously, things change. Players get signed. Players improve. But yeah, they're, they're always looking at transfers. They're probably looking at like central midfielders just in case. Okay, and the last question is from Jay Rignall on Discord. They said, if you could bring three players in from any era of Luton's history, who would you bring in? They'd be in their prime, and you can choose a defender or goalkeeper, a midfielder, and an attacker. Ian, let's start with you. Uh, I think I'd go with Tony Reid in goal, um, Malcolm McDonald in midfield, and ooh, do I go with a primed Cal uh, Griffiths without the injury? He would have been spectacular. But no... Um, who do we go for up top? Obvious choice is Hartford, right? But I think I'll go with Brian Steen, actually. Okay, and Ollie? I think Ian's cheating a little bit there, having Malcolm McDonald in midfield. Uh, I, I call VAR on that. That's not... What, he, he played in midfield for us for a while? Yeah, but he was also like a world-class striker for Newcastle and Arsenal and, and Luton. Oh, well, sorry, Tony Reid also played up front. You didn't say I cheated on that one. <laughs> and Okay, okay then, okay. So my, my defender will be Joe Payne because, <laughs> because he played he played. No, because he played they have back. to have actually played in the position. No, they have to have actually played in the position. There's no point in me saying he played, Malcolm McDonald He played fucking goal. halfback, mate. He, he started off as a halfback. I'll have Joe Payne yeah, as my defender, please. <laughs> Okay, midfielder. Who's your midfielder, Ollie? Jean-Louis Valois, because he is my favourite player, pretty much. Oh, oh, him or Matthew Spring, because prime Matthew Spring was, well, he was like a gazelle. He was sensational. And then up front, it's... So, so you're, you're, yeah. you're picking on mine, but yet you're picking a player that played for Watford. All right, then. He, he played over 300 times for Luton, though. Don't know how many times oh, he played for Watford. He played for Watford. Yeah, but he's a Too boy. Who's, okay, who's then, then up front, it's either Gordon Turner or John Hartson. I'll go for John Hartson. Good job you didn't pick Gordon Turner. He was our physio once. That would have been cheating. <laughs> Clive Goodyear, <laughs> Trevor Peake. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Either way, I think they're all good picks, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah what a question. Picks, what a banger. Been, uh, good additions. <laughs> Great questions as always. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to everyone for submitting them. We'll see you again later, Matt. Now let's talk about some of the monthly giveaways from our sponsors. Beard Surgeon Beard Oil comes in a set with a wide selection of scented oils and moisturiser you can use together. Unlike other beard oil companies, Beard Surgeon uses cannabis, sativa seed oil as a key ingredient which supports the skin barrier, strengthens your hair follicles, keeps inflammation at bay and minimises breakouts on your skin. It also makes your beard feel and smell excellent. We have a beard oil set to give away this month which you can check out on our socials. You can also get 15% off on your purchase of Beard Surgeon Oils through their website using the code WALT15. We have also teamed up with Black Star Amplification. As our audio partner, we are giving away a Bluetooth Fly 3 amp every month of the season. These Fly 3s sound great. They are also lightweight. They connect to anything from phones to guitars. So even if you're not a musician, you can have a boombox wherever you go. Keep an eye out on our socials as we have lots of giveaways going on through the month. But Ian, why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? I don't know, Ollie. Why is it different to all other podcasts? Because there's a joke in here.
Okay, hope you guys are ready for this one. Uh, a local bar was so sure that its bartender was the strongest man around, they offered a £1,000 standing bet. The bartender would squeeze a lemon till all the juice ran into a glass and then hand the lemon to a patron. Anyone who could squeeze one more drop of juice out would win the money. Many people had tried over time, weightlifters, firemen, etc., but nobody could do it. One day, a little scrawny man comes in wearing thick glasses and a cheap suit, says in a tiny squeaky voice, I'd like to try the bet. After the laughter died down, the bartender said, OK, grabbed the lemon and squeezed away. He handed the wrinkled remains of the rind to the little man. The crowd's laughter turned to total silence. The man clenched his fist around the lemon and six drops fell into the glass. The crowd cheered and the bartender paid the man a thousand pound. And he asked him, what do you do for a living? Are you a lumberjack, a bodybuilder or what? The man replied, I work for the tax man. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, good. good um, six. Six point five out of ten. It's great. Thank you very much, Matt. Now let's look ahead to our next fixture against Everton. Now it's too early to call this a must win game. But I've said it before, these are the games we need to stamp our authority on. We need to get points, whether it's one point or three points. But the latter would be the best to get us up and running for the season. Ian, how do we approach this game? Well, first of all, it's not a, a must-win game. I think you asked me asked the same question. I said the same thing last week. and It was never going to be a must-win game. And I think I said then, you know, quite a few games down the line until it becomes must win because we can beat anyone on our day, you know, maybe not Man City or the Liverpools, but um, I think we just got to approach it in exactly the same way. It's going to be more difficult now with the injuries that we've got, especially if Tom's out, but I think we approach it in the same way. We're going in the right direction. We are making steady progress. Everton, we know, are there for the taking. They've had a decent week or so um but it doesn't mean that we we can't we can't take them so i'll be full of confidence that we can and that's not just blind optimism it's because i've seen some of their poor poor performances this season um i think we just need to continue in the same vein you know go at them um let them experience what wolves experience for the first half on saturday um and hopefully we can take our chances um when we create them and Matthew, what are your thoughts before going to Goodison Park for this game? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of a similar mind to Ian. It's something I'm hoping we're able to win. I know they've had some uh, decent performances against Brentford and tonight against Villa. I think Calvert-Lewin's going to be a bit of a troublemaker. Tarkovsky, probably also a bit of a troublemaker for us. But I think if obviously we're able to get the defence ready for the threat that they're going to push at us, then I don't see it as a game that I'm too afraid of. I I think, based on previous performances that I've also seen of Everton, they have been struggling with not, not any kind of just part, single part of the game. It seems just entirely as a team they've been struggling to play good football so far this season so we'll see what happens come Saturday yeah from what I've seen of them a lot of their threat comes from midfield like Beto up top he hasn't really hit the ground running um Calvert-Lewin yeah maybe he's come back he scored a goal from his like 20 minutes last game um against Brentford they they are decent enough at the back because you know Bradway and and Tarkovsky they are both solid enough defensively Hopefully there are lapses, but I am worried about their midfield. Uh, and of course, as Matt's telling me now, they're currently beating Aston Villa in the cup. So hopefully they've gone quite full strength and they can knacker themselves up for for our game on uh, on Saturday. But we will never do score predictions on this pod because we are very superstitious. So let's wrap up this pod with a game of Hatter or Lower.
this week on Hatter or Lower, we are joined by yet another special guest. Give it up for a writer from We Are Loose in Town, Phil Macbeth. Seath, how are you getting on today, Phil? Yeah, good, Ollie. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate this. Oh, no worries. Um, your Phil's diaries are a big part of the Walt substack, and I absolutely love reading them uh, before and after every single game. Like, what, What's your sort of inspiration for wanting to document all this stuff this season in the Premier League? I think for me, I... I, I... Did a couple of pieces for um, for uh, We Are Luton Town some years ago. Um, so I had a little um, little weekly thing that I was doing called the Breakdown from Block B. So those of the those of you guys that have known We Are Luton Town for quite some years will know that I've it, I, I sort of did a bit of writing. I just find it sort of quite therapeutic in some ways. I think I work in a job where I'm quite stressed, and um, it's nice to write about something that is a passion of mine and. Uh, I thought that this year um, would be a real good year to sort of do a bit of a diary, to do a bit of a preview and a review piece. Um, one of my good friends, who you know, Ollie, um, Wedge, he's travelling at the moment, um, so he was unable to make a lot of the, the away games. So um, some of it is in relation to him, actually. It's trying to keep him posted whilst he's in his travels in America. And um, like I say, I'm, I'm pleased with some of the feedback that I've got. I think that you guys have been very supportive. Both Ollie and Ian have been very supportive of me. And... Uh, yeah, like I say, I try to add a little bit of humour, try to add a little bit of insight to our, our opponents and uh, also love talking about Luton in general. So it's, um, I guess it's a passion project, if you want to call it that. Yeah, they are really, really good pieces and they are a highlight of the week other than when Luton Town play. Uh, but Phil, what was your earliest memory of Luton Town? So my first, so in some ways I'm ashamed to say this, but um, but when I was when I was younger, when I was a kid, I was I was sort of indoctrinated, if you will, as an Arsenal fan. A lot of my friends outside of the at the house, they were all Arsenal fans, and I just wanted to sort of be like them. And uh, but I went. To, my granddad and my dad have been season ticket holders for many, many, many years at Kenilworth Road, and I finally got the opportunity to go to a game there was a spare ticket and I went with my granddad and it was the year where Reading were just romping the league they were absolutely smashing it to pieces and uh, we beat them 3-2 I think we went 1-0 down really early um, but we managed to beat them 3-2 and um, I sit in main stand block B hence the title of my previous works and um, it was for me it was just joy from the word go I loved it I loved the intimacy of the place I loved the fact that you felt that you were on top of the players they could hear you chanting they could hear you singing and for me to actually go to a ground where they were singing you know like I'd 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 been to Highbury twice um before that and it was the Highbury library it was um it was really really quiet and like I say for me to go it was an instant moment of falling in love with the club and I'd never looked back I never never had anything really to do with Arsenal since then um so this this like I say it's a little bit late on considering my age but as soon as I went into Kenilworth Road I was that was it it was it was love at first sight it's amazing to hear that and also I'm not surprised in the slightest that Premier League fan bases haven't changed at all in in a good two decades they're still silent. Chelsea, Brighton, Fulham. <laughs> They're absolutely pathetic. And uh, I hope <laughs> our fan base never ends up like that. Um, so who's your favourite Luton Town player of all time then? This one didn't take a lot of thought. And it hasn't, he hasn't come up yet, which I'm surprised by. Um, Kevin Nichols. Oh, I love that guy so much. <laughs> he was, he was, um, it was one of those ones where, like I say, as much as I... He he was there obviously when we were doing really well in League One and in the Championship, but when he returned, it was like the Messiah. <laughs> you know, it was a, it was just a moment of like pure elation that right we're we're going for this. We're gonna we're gonna beat this. We're gonna like minus thirty or not. We've got Kevin Nichols back, you know. And uh, I remember taking my wife to her first ever football match, and we went to see Luton play Oxford away, and he got such a unbelievably Nichols-esque red card <laughs> it was uh, it was he absolutely scythed the opponent um from from a breakaway goal and uh I, th I think we ended up losing the game so it wasn't the best away game but it was um 
for me to be able to talk to my wife and go, that's Kevin Nichols. He doesn't take any prisoners at all. And uh, yeah, he was the first and and actually only player I've ever had on the back of any of my uh, Luton shirts. So yeah, Kevin Nichols. He he was like the Messiah. He was the Messiah with no cartilage left in his knees. So who's your favourite player from the current Luton Town squad? So my favourite player in the current Luton squad is um, Alfie Doughty because he's got that nastiness about him that drew me to, to Kevin Nichols. He's got an absolute wand of a left peg. I mean, that, that goal that he scored against um, Gillingham this season is just another example. The uh, the half volley against QPR was just, oh, it's unbelievable. That and, and look, I just love the way he plays. I love the fact that he's got that sort of face on him that's, he'll do whatever it takes to win. A 50-50 battle, I'm taking him all day long. And um, I love, I, it's the passion for me. It's the it's the passion that he's he's joined Lou and he's bought completely into the ethos of the team. And um, yeah, I just love his attitude. I think he's great. I'm a big fan of Alfie Doughty as well. And surprisingly, he hasn't popped up as anyone's favourite players. But Phil, are you ready to play Hatter or Lower? Let's give it a go. Yeah, let's do it. Hatter or Lower is powered by Hatter's Heritage, a website that does the important job of preserving the history of our club. They always need volunteers, and you can check them out at hattersheritage.co.uk or get in touch by googling Hatter's Heritage. And that's exactly what I've done to get the names and appearance totals for 20 Hatters. I then asked, who played more, player A or player B? The contender then has to guess who made more appearances for the Hatters and try and get as high up on our leaderboard as possible, which you can check out on our website. It's now time to play Hatter or Lower. And this week's contender is Walked Writer, Phil, Macbeth, Seath. How are the nerves? I am quite nervous. I, I actually am. I, I don't think I'm going to get anywhere near the top score because that is just elite. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I've, um, I've not done any revision. So this is just raw memory, this is. So we'll give it a crack. <laughs> well, let's do this then. Who played more, Steve Robinson or Glenn Ray? Oh, interesting. So Glenn's been with us for quite some years. I was loving his interview, by the way, just as a side note. And then Robbo was brilliant, wasn't he, as well? Uh, but the injuries, they both had injuries. Didn't they? <laughs> I said I wouldn't be that guy that agonizes and, spe- and speaks out loud when I was doing this, but I'm doing it already on question one. Um, I'm going to go with Glenn Ray. Incorrect. Steve Robinson played 211 times for Luton Town. Glenn Ray, 207. Who played more, Paul Benson or Simon Sluger? Sluger probably should have played a lot less than he did. But he came good in the end. He came good. Who can forget that save that kept us in the league, essentially? So um, I will go with Paul Benson. Incorrect. Paul Benson played 85 times for Luton Town. Simon Sluger, 94. Was that surprising? That was a bit surprising. I think that, like I say, we saw Benson play. I mean, for me, he was part of that wonderful uh, little trio up top of um, of Guttridge, Gray and Benson. And um, yeah, I thought he would have probably had a few more, few more than that, but like I say, Sluger sort of go, went under the radar, didn't he, for a, for a few seasons of just playing game after game after game. So I can understand it. I won't cry too hard, <laughs> nor out of two. There's still time. Still eight more questions. Who played more, Andre Gray or Cameron McGeehan? Oh, see, Cameron had a few um, spells with us, didn't he? Um, and Gray was absolutely elite whilst he was with us. Um, a good couple of seasons. Um, I'm going to go with McGeehan. Incorrect. Andre Gray played 111 times for Luton Town. Cameron McGeehan, 105. There's still time. There's still time. You, you, you'll be able to I'm be still smiling, Ali. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who played more? Ollie Palmer. Or Jason Walker? Oh, okay. We don't like speaking about Jason Walker. 
Ollie Palmer as well. He didn't have too many appearances. Despite the fact that I don't like the guy, I'm going to go with Walker. Correct. Ollie Palmer played 18 times for Luton Town. Jason Walker, 29. And what a piece of shit he is. (laughs) Uh, Hashtag rest in peace, York. Who play more? Matty Pearson or Alan Sheehan? Oh, two great players. Two great. Another Alan Sheehan as well, by the way. My my bias towards a, a, a wand of a left peg. What an unbelievable um, player he was for us. I, I loved Sheehan when he was with us. Okay, so I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Sheehan. Incorrect. I was a bit of a bastard with this one. Matty Pearson played 136 times for Luton Town. Alan Sheehan, 135. So one (laughs) in that. (laughs) Oh, that's cruel. That's cruel. Who played more? Drew Talbot or JJ O'Donnell? Drew Talbot, that's a blast from the past, isn't it? Um... I remember him sort of zipping around, running around without doing a huge amount. Hopefully I'm not besperching his name there, but <laughs> yeah, I remember him being a little bit of a whippet. O'Donnell. Oh, JJ, the assist, the unbelievable assist at Norwich. I love JJ. However, I don't think JJ got as much of a crack as he potentially should do. So I'm going to go for Drew Talbot. Correct. Drew Tolbert played 63 times for Luton Town. JJ O'Donnell, 51. Who played more? Lewis Emmanuel or Luke Guttridge? Ooh. Luke Guttridge, I love that guy. I keep saying that I love these players. <laughs> We've had some cracking players over the years. Um, I love Luke Guttridge. I thought that he was a fantastic player. Um, he was the thing that stitched everything together, didn't he? So in that in that promotion year, um, Lewis Emmanuel. He was. I remember him. Like I say, stocky little wing back. Um, did have a good run of games, as I believe it. But I think I'm going to go with Guttridge. Probably being led heart rather than head on that one. But I'm going to go with Guttridge. Incorrect. Lewis Emmanuel played 88 times for <laughs> Luton Town. Luke Guttridge. 74. You should have gone with your head over your heart there. Should have gone with my head. I've got to stop loving these players. <laughs> Who play more, Steve McNulty or James Justin? That's an interesting one. Because JJ, obviously, he's gone on big transfer for us over the last few years. Um, big transfer fee. Your talent, Luton boy. Um I would love to see him back, actually. Um, that's no that's no uh, slight on Kabore as our right wing back, but um, but JJ was fantastic, wasn't he? Um, and he was there with us throughout those years in League Two um, and League One. Um, and then McNulty, he was there for a good couple of seasons, wasn't he? But he didn't he get a bit homesick, I think, and he didn't stay with us too long. But then again, he was a bit of a fixture in the lineup, wasn't he? If he was fit, he played. I'm going to go with JJ. Incorrect. Steve McNulty played 125 times for Luton Town. James Justin, 114. Who played more? Will Antwi or Yasser Kasim? I think I remember seeing Antwi play in a pre-season friendly over at Bedford. I could be wildly wrong there, but I think that that's the guy that I'm thinking of. Um, Yasser Kasim, I remember him playing right in the middle. I'm going to go with Yasser Kasim. Incorrect. Will Antwi played 13 times for Luton Town. Yasser Kasim played 11 times. A view from Block B, was that obscured by a massive pillar by any chance? <laughs> Must have been. Um, I'd like to know the uh, the... The uh, the average appearance difference because I feel like I've been stitched up here. <laughs> <laughs> never, I never stitch you up. <laughs> here we go. We'll finish with a nice easy one. Okay, who played more, Mark Tyler or Jake Howes? 
Oh, man. Not that easy. <laughs> oh, Jake um, was obviously another left peg. Um, and I was, um, he came a really, really solid penalty taker, didn't he? He was fantastic with that. But Tyler was with us for years and years and years as well. Um, and again, he played every single game when he was available. I'll go with Mark Tyler. Incorrect. Mark Tyler played 297 <laughs> times for Luton Town. Jake Howes, 334. You are on the leaderboard with a solid and respectable 2 out of 10. Congratulations, Phil, for making it onto the leaderboard. How does that feel? Oh, I, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to the point in the season where people have to scroll down so that my name isn't <laughs> isn't anywhere close. People will hopefully forget by the end of the season when they have to start scrolling to get to such low scores. Oh dear! To be uh, even if I was even at fifty fifty rates, I'm three below par. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Phil. There's always next season. Well, that's us done for this week. You can listen back to our post-match phone-ins across all podcast providers and our YouTube. Please check out our socials. We are Luton Town on Facebook. We are Luton Town on Twitter. The Walt Podcast on Twitter. We are also on TikTok, Instagram, Telegram, Discord and Reddit. You can find all of these on our website, wearelutontown.co.uk. Follow across all socials to be involved in monthly giveaways, including beard surgeon beard oils, Blackstar Fly Free Amps, Lucent Town shirts. Thank you all for tuning in. Come on, you hatters. Sports Social Podcast Network.